Muggles with Attitude is brought to you by the Armadillo Podcasting Club. Did you know that one of the British actors in the Harry Potter movies is actually an armadillo? Which one? It's impossible to tell. He's a brilliant actor. (laughs) (laughs) My money's on Alan Rickman. I mean, look at him. I know. (laughs) Alan Armadillo. Armadillo. Did did you know that Alan Rickman is an anagram for armadillo? (laughs) (laughs) We've salted people. For more armadillo-related facts and to find out how you can access episodes a day early, check us out at patreon.com slash armadillopodcastingclub. Hello there, you're listening to Muggles with Attitude. We're reading J.K. Rowling's Harry Potter series of fantasy novels and then watching the movies. I'm Alice Sullivan. I'm Jeff Lake. And I'm Mike Sparkman. And today we're going to be discussing Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix, the fifth movie in the Harry Potter series. All right, well, Jeff, as somebody who has never seen the movie before, what did you think? Uh, I thought that was pretty boring and nonsensical. Mm. And there were a couple good scenes. Uh, there were things about it that I thought were really good. I, I, these movies always have great production design and like costuming, and in particular, the casting is just spot on. Like the Helena Bonham Carter, I think she's amazing. I, I, I'm always happy to see her, and she does such a good job as Bellatrix Lestrange in this that she's a really good ad, you know. Mm-hmm. And what's her name? Um, Imelda F- Staunton. Staunton, right? Mm-hmm. Who does the evil Mrs. Umbridge? Mm-hmm. It's great. You know? Apparently, the casting people had no second choice. It had to be Imelda Staunton. Oh, well, yeah, of course she killed it. Yeah. I mean, she's not ugly enough. No, I mean, she's like, quite pretty. Actually, yeah. I thought the same thing. Because, like, maybe it's impossible to find somebody who who can embody, like, the the appearance of Umbridge that, that J.K. Rowling describes. But mm-hmm. even though she is absolutely too pretty to be Dolores Hubbard. She nails that character as far as like the, the mannerisms. Oh, the little like him, the little sniff thing she gives. Uh Oh my God. I was just recoiling each time. It was so perfect. It was so bad. And I mean, I know this isn't her exactly, but her costuming, like the, the outfits they put her in. so (laughs) good. Yeah. They were Helena Bonham Carmadillo. I think we know who it is. She's got range. She can play whatever she wants. That's true. Imelda Stauntadillo? She's really short, though, so maybe. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, What did you think, Micah? Uh, Okay. So, first of all, I I think that uh, it felt like the production value got a little bump up between the movies. The... um, the special effects were were pretty fantastic. The visuals, uh, like a lot of those, the settings, I, I don't recall them being so uh, so fantastic. Like I'm trying to think, there were there was like the the ministry when they walk in there and they they have like the it's this towering room full of all these like mechanisms and stuff. It looked really really cool. So that that scene where they're walking through and there's the, all of the um, the flu network is just like popping out random witches and wizards and you look up and there's this like huge shot of the whole room. It's, it was really great. Um, I felt the same way about um, even some of the smaller sets, like Dolores Umbridge's office was, uh-huh. 
was pink and like kind of kind of terrible. Although the kittens were adorable. I mean, like the kitten I, plates, you'd be all about that. I <laughs> was I was thinking like you know maybe this isn't so bad, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so, so her office was fantastic. Oh man, Grimmauld Place, like the, the black family ancestral home was super creepy. And like the taxidermied heads of the previous, uh, house elves were, uh, super creepy. They yeah, had the little bell jars. Yeah, they gave you a start. It freaked you out. Yeah, yeah. I was like, what is the, oh God, yeah, that's them. So yeah, I, I feel like, uh, certain visual aspects of it were fantastic. And at least in the beginning, I felt like they were, doing a decent job with pacing because they made a lot of the scenes really short. So nothing felt like it was dragging, but then it, it hit a point where that just stopped being the case. And then it, I, I was probably around the time. I think it was around the point when Dolores Umbridge gets taken into the forbidden forest and everything after that started feeling like it was dragging. Like I was actually, I was getting bored and I actually like these movies. You know? mm-hmm. So mostly. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it, it was a weird transition that happened there. They, I think they made some solid uses of montage to get through some of the stuff that didn't matter in, in a way that still felt like it was connected. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I, I feel like the ending kind of petered out, petered out for me a little bit. Yeah, it definitely felt that way, didn't it? But I was pleased with the way they were able to get through some of the more complicated but not particularly important storylines from the books. Like for one of the very first ones that came up was Harry's whole trial and everything that came before it leading up to his trial and then the trial itself when he was about to be expelled like that was a big ass section of the book like that drug out over Mm. a few chapters and I think they did a really good job just kind of like not summarizing it because they didn't tell the whole thing but just kind of like dealing with it putting it in its place and moving on which I I appreciated I agree I agree that that I remember I think we even talked about it that it was weird the way the book's started and so much happened before they actually got to Hogwarts. Right. And I think the, the, in the movie, they, they realized that Hogwarts is really kind of what the story is about. So they, they got there as quick as they could. And, mm-hmm. and it didn't feel like they shortchanged it too much on the, on the beginning either. Like, you know, mm-hmm. despite them certainly shortening things, it didn't feel like it was uh, anything important missing. I thought that those first scenes when he's still in little whinging and the Dementors appear and like just the entire land is just, everything is washed out and hot and miserable. Like I thought that was really well done and I thought it looked amazing. Yeah, it really did. Yeah. The thing, the one thing that really struck me throughout the movies was the colors. I thought it was super cool that mm. the palette that they used. Yeah. Who was the director of this one? Do you remember? Uh, David Yates. David Yates. Yeah. It was directed by David Yates. who doesn't seem to be known for a whole lot. Yeah. Um, he also, <laughs> he also directed the second of the seven movies, or the eighth movie, which they divide the last book into two movies, Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, he did part two. So, Interesting. He did part seven, part two. Yes. Yeah. Oh, and apparently he's doing some of the, he's done the Fantastic Beast movies as well. Yeah, okay. So I guess it sounds like, because I know that it was a thing. I remember it being a thing that the directors changed nearly every movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe they picked a favorite. <laughs> they were they, they tried a couple of experiments. They're like, no, let's go back to this David Yates fella. Yeah, I thought he I did guess. a pretty good job. I The movie, it felt overstuffed, you know? it's uh, One of you mentioned that it was the shortest of the movies, but it felt really long because there's so much stuff in it, and yet there wasn't enough stuff in it because they were skipping through the story so fast. I wonder if somebody who hadn't just read the book, you know, a week ago would be able to follow what's going on at all. That's a good question. I mean, it, it it's hard for it's it's always hard to like keep that to to maintain that perspective when you've just finished reading the books. But mm-hmm. I think you're right. I think 
I think it it works for us because it it shows you touchstones and you're like, oh, I know when this happened. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's hard to say if if this would have been uh, understandable if you hadn't actually read them. I really don't think it would have. And I know those these stories back and forth. And even I was thinking like, this is incomprehensible, especially once they got to the Department of Mysteries and they were in the room with all the orbs. It was like, what the fuck is even happening right yeah, so now? It's, it's a weird tension because like they cut out so much stuff, right? Like what if they'd had... You know, Ron going crazy and and attracting a brain to attack him with tentacles, right? Yeah, like happened in the books, or like the guy that got his head stuck in the time machine and had a baby head. Yeah. <laughs> like they just cut all that stuff out, and and yet it still was like hard to follow because there's too much stuff going on. Yeah, yeah, and like they don't explain the room of requirement. They did a bad job with that because they had Neville stumbling across it accidentally, but mm-hmm. I mean they just didn't want to have Dobby in there for whatever reason, whether it was because they didn't want to spend the money for CG or. Yeah, I mean, there's already too many characters, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Dobby is established, but yeah, it's. I guess it it would have added yet more explanation to have another character thrown in there. Hey, remember Dobby? You know, right? Yeah, yeah. and he, yeah, they they cut out all of Hermione's spew stuff, and they cut out, uh, let's see, all of Ron's stuff, right? All of Ron's stuff. Yeah, he was the prefect, and. He had the whole, there's a whole yeah. Quidditch subplot, and the, which and wasn't in there at all. Yeah, he yeah the Quidditch stuff with Ron. Yeah. And he had like the semi-conflict between him and his brothers who mm-hmm. were doing like all this uh, crazy crime stuff. Yeah. Uh, with the, the... They're such scamps. Yeah, <laughs> right. And in the movie, the crazy crime stuff, like his brothers are just these sort of laughable jokers. And then they fly in and shoot a bunch of fireworks during the test and burn everybody's exam. Mm-hmm. And then fly away, like, flipping the finger at everybody. And like, what the hell? Why, th- why did that happen? <laughs> <laughs> if you hadn't read the book, right? They do actually have, like, a, a very brief moment where the, in the movie they say, I think our, our fortunes lie outside of Hogwarts. And that, that's, yeah. that's it. You and, know? and it shows them, like, giving... Uh, poisons to younger kids mm-hmm. oh, at yeah, one that, point in passing. You're right. But they, they don't talk about the fact that they, they're going to have a joke shop. It's, they don't even mention it, do they? Right. Yeah, um, yeah, that was their whole thing. You saw, you saw uh, they had like a trunk that said Weasley, Wizard, and Weezes on it. Oh, but okay. they never actually explicitly said it. Yeah. yeah. I feel like that was a decent amount of the movie. It seems like there was a lot of like... If you read the books, this would make sense to you, like some things. And they did like a tip of the hat to it, but they never explicitly addressed a lot of stuff. Hmm. Um, I just, I was, I was disappointed with the fight at the ministry because in the books, I thought it was amazing. I was turning the page, and it's so exciting to read. Mm-hmm. Even you said you thought it was pretty yeah, cool. It was good. And you, yeah, you even me, even you, <laughs> you've well, I mean, you've read a lot of fantasy and you've read a lot of really well written action scenes mm-hmm. in books. Um, but even you enjoyed this, so yeah, yeah, it was yeah and it was good. I loved it, and I was disappointed. Like I understand that it would have been so difficult. They had like. The things you mentioned, they also had like the spinning room and all this weirdness, and it just wasn't going to happen. You know, it's something we talked about a bit on in the books. When the wizards had fights, they were kind of zany and fantastical. You know, they summoned statues to fight for them, or uh, what, what else did they do? Uh, they, like, they, they they stupefy each other and they like knock each other's wands away. Mm-hmm. They turn Ron, was it Ron got turned into, or he got like joked or whatever i don't know became right yeah and they like turn each other's bones to rubber or whatever they have these weird jinxes and stuff but in the movie all the wizards just started flying around as cgi like cloud effects and wrestling with each other and shooting like laser beams at each other it was very weird yeah it's well i guess it's i mean i guess it's cgi right i it looked cool i guess but but i feel like i feel like voldemort i mean 
Voldemort shooting like death beams versus Dumbledore doing his wacky like statue bring to life thing. That's cool visually too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, and, it, and it demonstrates the difference between Voldemort and, and Dumbledore as, as Micah made a really good point of when we talked about it before. I, In this, it's just like Voldemort shoots red stuff and Dumbledore shoots blue stuff. And, and they sometimes their red and blue stuff hits each other and then it explodes. Yeah, and yeah. They, they fight each other like Egg Shen fights Lopan in Big Trouble in Little China. <laughs> That's right. right. Throwing lightning at each other or whatever. Yeah. I don't know what it was, right? I thought that the duel between them looked really cool. I was surprised because when you read it, it does feel quite whimsical, right? Like you mm-hmm. have the the fountain of the magical brethren and the characters all, ah, you know, like coming <laughs> to life or whatever, but not really. Um, but in the movie, yeah. I well, thought they, that they I mean, they may really be coming to life. We don't have magic <laughs> Oh, words. my God. <laughs> Mr. Dumbledore, we fought for you. What now? Go back to sleep now. <laughs> sleep? What? <do> you- oh. <laughs> Um, but I was surprised by how violent the the fight was when we actually saw it on screen. Mm-hmm. I didn't interpret it as being as violent, I guess. I can't think of a better word as it was in the movie. Yeah, I, I, I think it definitely had more of an action-y feel. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it also felt a little more generic, I think, because they because they didn't it, it didn't feel as immersed in the the wizarding world that we're familiar yeah. with. It was just like, oh, this is another like. Generic wizard fighting against generic wizard, you know. Yeah. yeah, you're right. The whole fight with the Death Eaters in the in the scene where Sirius dies, it was it was just lame. Like you didn't even did anybody actually even say any spells? No. You know, that's like a big part of it. Yeah, they yeah. they turned into CGI effects and flew around the room and just kind and of like the, wrestled the, each other. The effects were good, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, they were really good. Super actually. Cool. Yeah, like having them flying in the smoke and then the the Order of the Phoenix appears and they're in glowing white smoke for some reason. You know, yeah, like yeah, the the, the good guys turn into white smoke and the bad guys turn into black smoke and and yeah we were talking during the movie like when when do they learn when do they teach that spell at Dumbledore turn into like a a laser smoke thing that flies around the room (laughs) that's a cool spell yeah Yeah. and apparently everyone knows it are winning (laughs) I mean even though my absolute favorite moment was oh my gosh what's the name of that actor I just adore him Draco Malfoy's dad oh uh Jason Isaacs Jason Isaacs when Jason Isaacs did the little sassy like I'm wearing a mask, but not really when he's revealing himself to them in the yeah. Department of Mysteries. It was of like ridiculous. Gestures his mask off. And it yeah. Was, it was pretty cool. Yeah. That, well, yeah, speaking of reveals, that when Helena Bonham Carter shows up in the, as Bellatrix the Strange and she escapes from the prison and the camera zooms out of the prison showing her laughing. <laughs> Man, she killed it. Yeah. Oh my God. I actually, so good. I like the shot of Azkaban too. Like, I this is our first time actually seeing it. It was like, it's like this sinister monolith in the middle of like this roiling sea. It was pretty cool. Was I really cool. appreciate when the movies remind you that this world is fucking terrifying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. in the when you're reading kids books, you're like, oh, Azkaban. There's this you know prison out there. Like, oh, that's terrible. But then you see that, and that is fucking terrifying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That was a very effective scene. Yeah, it, it, it's funny because I remember when we were reading the books, and I was. We got to the part where they were doing the, the fight in the Department of Mysteries. I was just thinking, oh, I can't wait to see this in the movie. And they didn't do it. You know, like I, I hadn't seen the movies probably since they came out, at least this mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was very disappointed. Yeah, it was disappointing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I was also disappointed that nobody wears robes anymore. Come on, people. You're wizards. <laughs> yeah, they're all in street clothes now, they, aren't they? They wear just hoodies and, and pullovers. Mm-hmm. Stripy shirts. And, of course, all the, the kids are like... 25 now or something <laughs> yeah i did i did uh, make a note about that you know we uh you start the movie off and it's like huh 
Looks like Harry somehow aged five years. It must be something that just happens in the maybe, wizarding world. Maybe it's that time turner. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and yeah. he also like got a really good haircut, which mm-hmm. has changed the way he looks completely. It does. It really does. Yeah, I guess over the summer the Dursleys took him to get his haircut or something. Right. He looked great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe he'll learn that spell. That the hair- neighbors won't. Harry we'll won't let the neighbors cutting. see you with a haircut like that. We're <laughs> going to take you to the salon. I mean, like that doesn't that kind of happen though? <laughs> like you know, you come back from the summer and like all of a sudden these goofballs are actually like real people now. Yeah. Like, it just yeah. felt kind of abrupt. It, it was, but um, I don't know what they could have done otherwise. And I miss Hermione's big old frizzy hair. Yeah. I guess uh, I guess at this point they're getting to an age where they have to like be somebody that somebody cool that you want to be, right? Like if you're watching these movies and you're about that age, and you're like, oh, I want to, you know, I, I want to be cool. I, I think it was just a stylistic choice yeah. for the movie, whereas the previous movies. You know, they, they took a lot of stuff from the books, like people wear robes, even though robes don't really look cool to us here in the modern world. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they got them out of that and, and they gave them better haircuts and better clothes. And it was just sort of everybody was more fashionable. Yeah. And uh, I, I the movie felt more generic because of that. Right. Mm. There wasn't that character mm-hmm. of the wizarding world being this this kind of goofy, like stars and moons and stuff. Yeah. yeah. What did you all think about the room of requirement? Uh, I mean, it looked cool, but I, I think, he, as you mentioned, I think the re- the way that they revealed it, that that whole subplot, they they really tinkered with. Like, there was what was it? So they find it through Neville and Hermione. Hermione just happens to know everything about it when once Neville discovers. Well, it, yeah, right? haven't you read Hogwarts: A History? <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah, and then uh, when they're they're captured, Dolores just brute forces her way through the wall and arrests them all, I guess. Yeah. Um, except, Which is quite confusing. Yeah. And then I guess Cho is sort of responsible for it because they gave her Veritaserum, but, you know, it's, yeah, it, it, was, it was confusing, honestly. Mm-hmm. didn't make as much sense. So. Yeah, it really but the room was. itself looked cool. It did look super cool. Yeah, I mean, they. it seemed like they could have done a lot more with it to show, like, other types of things that it's been used for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. It, it was really just a bunch of mirrors and a... Yeah, it was really just like a fight room mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. with a hidden door. It was. Um, and mysteriously growing um, mistletoe, because apparently that is what is required. Oh, is that times. why that happened? They were in the room of requirements? Yeah, yeah, so that's why the mistletoe grew above them. Well, why, why was that weird death shrine in the room of requirement? To help them, like, remember who they were fighting for To inspire for them. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay, okay. Well, yeah. that makes sense, because I didn't... I found that honestly really creepy. You know, they're like <laughs> kissing and these vines are reaching down towards them. And like, watch out, guys. It was mistletoe. Well, I guess I don't, I don't, I don't have a lot of experience with mistletoe. Does it, does it grow? Does it reach for people? I mean, I, I mean, we do have experience, though, in seeing in the Harry Potter movies when waving, growing green things end up killing right? people. Right? So. The last moving plant that we saw beat the shit out of his car. Yeah. <laughs> and before that was the devil's snare that nearly choked him to death or something. Yeah. 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 I mean, like I said, the movie was overstuffed, but I was still sad that they didn't get to go to the hospital and see all the cool, like, maladies that, you know, got people got their nose turned into a grandfather clock or whatever. Yeah, yeah. honestly, like, the, 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 that was one of the things they do well is it, is showing these these cool wizard locations. It would have been fun to see the hospital. Yeah. I mean, they put a, they put a lot into the ministry itself, and that looked amazing. The ministry looked amazing. The, yeah. The uh, the the Forbidden Forest looked really good, but they had it those, did look good. those big shots that then kind of zoomed in. 
There were a lot of, the, yeah, their, their, their locations were awesome. It was weird what they did with the centaurs. Like, I'll agree across the board that, like, the computer computer effects, like, it looked way better, but the centaurs did not look better. Yeah. yeah. And that was weird because they didn't seem in any way, shape, or form human. Like, because they're, I mean, they're, they speak English and they have conversations mm-hmm. like normal. Um, but they were just like wild animals. I wonder why, it was bizarre. Why didn't they cut the centaurs out completely? That's what they thought they were going to do because well, there, there wasn't, what's his name? Bane? Who's the? Yeah. yeah. Forenze. Forenze. Yeah. Yeah. There wasn't Forenze. And, uh, and they didn't show the centaurs like warning them about Grop or anything. It's sort of like, like Hermione lured Umbridge in to the forest to get Grop to squash her into paste. And then the centaurs showed up and grabbed her. And like they don't know why, and so they left. Yeah, that bye was bye Umbridge. Weird. That was a weird choice, but I mean, it's kind of a complicated and seeing it on the screen, it's a it was a stupid plan, and Umbridge <laughs> was stupid for falling for it, and yeah. it was you know Hermione was stupid for making it, but mm-hmm. I mean, I I don't know what else they could have done though, because they had to they had to somehow get rid of Umbridge. Yeah, yeah. I wonder what they could have done. Yeah. And, and also, they didn't didn't have Rita Skeeter. Yeah, she's my favorite. I know. Oh yeah, that's right. The the whole thing with the uh, the date in in Hogsmeade is gone. Yeah, and uh, the subsequent like interview with Rita Skeeter, and I guess all, almost all of that stuff with the the Daily Prophet is there at the beginning, and then there's nothing about the the Quibblers like counter story and mm-hmm. the, like the Trent. I guess they don't ever. They wouldn't have been able to fit that in, though. Like, I'm okay with them leaving it out. No, I, I guess they just never, they never explain why the students stop hating Harry. Yeah. And that happens in the book. And it, it sort of happens in the movie, just for no reason. I was surprised that they didn't devote any attention at all to the Daily Prophet when the, the um, edition, when all the Death Eaters had escaped. Like, they had a couple of shots of it, right? Um, well, did they? Like, yeah. did they even have shots? They just said, like, Azkaban, they escaped, and then Seamus is like, my mom thinks this is bullshit, so I guess I believe you now, but... Well, there's a thing about, like, there was that picture of Bellatrix with Strange where she's just, like, screaming, and then... Yeah. Like, that, this this movie was full of those little, like, interspersed montages. I guess that's the way it there works, was, right? There were a lot of, um, there are a number of places where they looked at newspaper headlines. Yeah. Which was an interesting way of doing it. Yeah. It would have been fun to have like paused and seen because that there were also other little things that they put in there. Like there would be, it would the article would be next to an ad for like a broom sale or something. It would have been fun to look at that. That is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. There was something that they changed that kind of bugged me, and that was the way they handled Harry's prophecy stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I, I actually liked the way the prophecy worked in the books because it was this reveal that it was a lot more complicated than anyone knew, right? Like mm-hmm. this idea that it was. It was a, a very ambiguous prophecy that was sort of like given power by Voldemort's actions. They kind of tossed that out with this, oh, right? Oh yeah, they didn't. They didn't mention that at all. In fact, he hears the prophecy right then and there, and it's different. It's, Did they even say why Voldemort wanted the prophecy so much? No, they didn't. He just what it was just the weapon that he wanted. That was yeah. And they never explained it. They never talked about. What, what the importance was. They never explained that, and they never explained what those Dementors were doing in Little Whinging in the first place. That's a good point. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just, uh, they were just there. I, I, I guess if you're following the, the movie canon, it would just be that Voldemort did it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Well, it sounds like this movie did not overwhelm us. No, I mean, like I said, there were parts I really liked. Like, um, even though they changed... 
Fred and George's exit, it was a really spectacular scene. You know, the, the fireworks were really cool looking. and Yeah, uh, the effects across the board were a, a real cut above the previous movies, which weren't bad. No, yeah. So they, they were genuinely pretty good, especially the when people were flying on the brooms. That looked really good this time. Yeah, we, we talked. It, it's got to it's got to have been a technology improvement because it was it was so noticeable. I mean, in the past, I think we've even poked fun at the way that the the broom scenes looked either first like it was clearly like badly CG person mm-hmm. on a badly CG broom, or it was a person with like a green screen like pretending like they were flying. Right. But yeah. these actually looked really pretty solid. Yeah, they did look really good. And I was and I was glad that um, Avanna Lynch was in this one. I think she was a really perfect Luna Lovegood. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. she was she was great. Yeah, apparently there were like fifteen hundred girls who applied for that part, and mm-hmm. um, once they saw her, they just kind of stopped because apparently she was just they were like she's perfect for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, I yeah, the she casting was just always great. Yeah, she was really good. Uh, the guy who played Neville did really good. He did do well. He's not new, right? He's the same guy. Same yeah, guy. same one. But he, they took out. The, but he obviously got a lot taller and skinnier. But and they also took out. He had some dumb prosthetic teeth in the first movie uh, or two. Oh, so those weren't his real teeth. I don't think so. Oh, that's good. Yeah, <laughs> but, it's, but it's always fun to see. Alan Rickman and Emma Thompson and uh, whatever her name is. The, Maggie Smith. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. Uh, they just, they're just great. You know? yeah. yeah. Oh, they left out all that too. The whole when she gets attacked and has to leave as well. Yeah. Well, Wait, did, does Hagrid, Hagrid doesn't get fired, right? No, he never no, gets they fired. they just threaten him. Yeah. They did a good job doing a summarizing of where he'd been, though. They were able to condense it in a way that made sense and was short yeah. and still moved the story along. That's true. Yeah, uh, I, and as I mentioned, I, I, at least for the first half, I was I felt like they did a good job, like accelerating through the stuff that didn't matter. But, but yeah, at some point it got honestly a little boring, which is sorry to say because that's where all the action was at the end. But mm-hmm. somehow it wasn't like as interesting. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it seemed like a, the action scenes were just people like pointing their wands and grimacing and special effects happening, mm-hmm. and not not like. Interesting special effects, just like particle effects and glowing stuff yeah. that doesn't, it's not really compelling to watch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it was, it was definitely a lot of spectacle, and, but it didn't feel like it's, it. it's all kind of undercut by the fact that we don't really know why they're here or what's going on or what's the point. What are the stakes here? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's not set up very well. No, not at all. So, the, so initially they went to Dolores' office because they were going to take the flu network to get to the ministry. Right. Is that the idea? They weren't yes. going to talk to Sirius or... No, they were just going to use the flu network to go straight there. Okay. Gotcha. Which, since Dolores Umbridge was centaur stew, they could have just done that. <laughs> fly on the test yeah, just go That's back. a good point. <laughs> That's a very good point. They also didn't ever explain why all the other people were there, right? Like, it's Harry, Ron, and Hermione who break into Dolores' office, and then they're like, oh, and we found these other people outside. And that's it. That's why. That's why the rest of the crew is there. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, yeah. Huh, okay. Because it's in the script. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I don't know. Um, overall, I don't know where where would this rank in terms of the movies we've seen so far? Is this the best one? No. no. It looked the best. It definitely looked the best. You know, in terms of like special effects, visual effects, but I don't know which which is the best of the Harry Potter movies so far. Uh, I guess the second one, right? The one with the the snake. That was the second one, yeah. Yeah. The uh, Chamber Sorry, of Secrets. The Basilisk. 
Yeah, I would agree. Chamber of Secrets, the one with um, Gilderoy Lockhart, that actor. Oh. Kenneth Branagh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So wait, this is the fifth one? Yes, this is the fifth. Okay, what happened in the fourth one? So the fourth that one was, was the, the... The Trials, the Goblet of Fire. The Goblet of Fire. That was when the, uh, Edward the Sparkly Vampire got killed by Voldemort. Right. And yeah. what was the third one? Uh, that was the Prisoner of Azkaban. That's where they used the Time Turner. Oh, so that's, no, that's the one I was thinking of that I thought was good. Okay. Because that's the one... With time travel. With Sirius Black in it. Yes. That was that one was decent. Chamber of Secrets was decent. I, I, yeah, I put Chamber of Secrets at the top, actually, though. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So, so you're saying... I think I would go 3, 4, 1, 2, 5. 3, 4, 1, 2, 5. All right. Oh, wow. So you put this right at the bottom. It was boring. Mm. Like the other ones weren't weren't this boring. Yeah, I I felt like like the like the first one had novelty going for it. I thought the third one was well directed. I thought the fourth one had all these same problems, except there were a few individual really bang up scenes that I thought were really good. Mm-hmm. I was bored in Goblet of Fire in a way that I was not bored in this. Mm. And then of course, there, yeah, there we we found lots of places where the Goblet of Fire. Just, didn't make much sense. Yeah. I, I don't, yeah, I, I guess if I'm thinking in terms of the narrative, this one is not really well put together. Like, it, it's easy to forget about that because, again, we just read the books and therefore it makes sense for us to watch these things. But, like, it didn't, like, the story is barely there, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. Magic shit's happening. Just deal with it. Yeah. This, they're in a wizard school. There's yeah, wizard I mean, things happening. If you're super into the books, it's worth watching because it's a really good, you know, presentation of what that stuff looks like even if it doesn't really make any sense mm-hmm. yeah i mean the, it's it's fun to see these these things that we see described describes put to, put together so so well you know, you know i think the, the problem is it like it lacks structure right there is there's there isn't like that usual kind of three-act structure that these movies often have it, mm-hmm. it might be because the books aren't the best structured thing ever they're not they're totally not yeah it's just, they have a very like shaggy dog kind of, and then this other thing happened and then this other thing happened. And then remember that thing that happened again. Yeah. But that makes the movie feel long. Mm. Mm-hmm. It does. And that's, and that's, and it did, right? Like by the end, it was felt like an endurance thing, even though this is one of the shortest of the movies. Yeah. The second shortest. Mm-hmm. And, um, Daniel Radcliffe and Rupert Grint, I think are better actors now too. They are noticeably better. Yeah, I would say so, and, and and I think that uh, the angst and and frustration of Harry in the books is is carried in the movies. I, you can see his his character going through some shit. Yeah, but it's a little more. It was played more understated than it was in other movies. I mean, at some point, at one point, we even like laughed about it because like Harry was barely raising his voice, and they were like, "Whoa, whoa, Harry!" Like we could hear you <laughs> shouting from downstairs or whatever. We're like, "What?" But, like, I prefer that because there was a lot of overacting in previous movies. It's that true. I think they matured. Yeah, actually, that's one thing this, the movie did better than the book because I, I found the Harry in the book to be a real crap head, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's like, treats his friends like shit and takes everything the wrong way. And He's so stupid. Yeah, he's really stupid. And in this, he's still like a, a crappy teenager, but it's a lot more believable. And maybe that's just Daniel Radcliffe selling it better, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can see that he's not. Being a total asshole, he's just sort of working through his issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it for Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. We're going to be switching back over to our other podcast, The Dragon Reread. 
uh, following the Wheel of Time series by Robert Jordan. What book are we reading next, Jeff? Path of Daggers. Is it? I think it's Path of Daggers. Is it Path of Daggers? We think it's Path of Daggers. <laughs> and then, of course, we'll be returning to Harry Potter for Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince, the second-to-last book in the Harry Potter series. Um, if you have any questions, comments, or feedback, you can drop us a line at hello at mwapodcast.com. We love hearing from you. Um, I am Alice Sullivan. That's at Alice M. Sullivan on Twitter or Blue Bonnet Cafe on Instagram. I am Jeff Lake. That's Jeff underscore Lake on Twitter. I'm Mike Sparkman. I don't have one of those. Please share this with anyone who you think will like it. Please check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash Armadillo Podcasting Club. Please leave us good reviews, especially on iTunes. Please like us in real life. We're just so likable. Until next time. Finite Finite Podcast. Podcast.